Race and Gender Checks Coming to a Boardroom Near You by Matt Welch, published at Reason on May 13th, read to you soon after right here at Paloma Media. Check us all out at palomamedia.com. Here goes. The office of the New York City Comptroller was created in 1801 to be the chief auditor of local government and all its various financial activities. The Comptroller's top responsibilities, as bullet pointed on the office website, are conducting performance and financial audits of all city agencies, serving as a fiduciary to the city's five public pension funds, providing comprehensive oversight of the city's budget and fiscal condition, reviewing city contracts for integrity, accountability, and fiscal compliance, and resolving claims both on behalf of and against the city. Sounds pretty important. So what on earth is this in-house government watchdog doing pressuring private companies to conduct race and gender checks. On Thursday, New York Comptroller Brad Lander, my former city councilman, proudly announced that the city's pension funds, with their estimated $263 billion under management, had successfully pressured four huge Wall Street firms, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, and BlackRock, plus the Ford Motor Company, to publicly disclose a board matrix containing the, quote, self-identified gender, race, and or ethnicity of individual directors. Said Brad Lander in a statement, pronounced commitments to diversity and inclusion ring hollow if those values are not reflected in the boardroom where decisions are made impacting their entire workforce. The strongest boards and management teams are those that reflect the diversity of their workforce and of our communities. Diversity is a key factor in performance and essential to the long-term value, a priority for many investors. And Lander. The Comptroller's office expressed disappointment that a sixth firm, Next Era Energy, refused, and that's their word, to cough up race and gender self-reporting of individual board members, opting instead to release that information in aggregate. Here is the thinking from Next Era. The imposition of a prescriptive matrix by individual director can promote a check-the-box approach to refreshment, thus increasing the risk of bypassing a well-qualified candidate. You think they meant recruitment instead of refreshment? That's my thinking. Anyways, Lander was not having it. Investors do not elect directors as a collective body, but as individuals who are accountable to act as fiduciaries in the boardroom and to oversee the long-term strategies of the company, his office shot back. Aggregate disclosures are not useful for investors, making decisions about how to vote on individual directors at annual general meetings. It's worth taking a step back and thinking that logic through. What Lander and the pension funds are explicitly saying is that not knowing the racial and gender self-identification of a company's individual board candidate hinders the decision-making process on how to vote for him or her. All else being equal, if Terry Smith self-identifies as a white male instead of a Latinx female, the diversity-valuing city of New York is assumed to be more likely to vote no on his candidacy. One can only imagine where voters' preferences would lie if the nominee refused to self-identify with a gender or a race. There is something both farcical and creepy about this obsession with tracking other people's mostly immutable characteristics and using the power of government to compel disclosure thereof. The classification of race and or ethnicity is tautologically unscientific. 
and not much approved upon by the city's suggested best practices categories of African-American, Asian-slash-Pacific Islander, White-slash-Caucasian, Hispanic-slash-Latino, and Native American. Which one of those boxes would Tiger Woods check? Why are we asking individuals to join a group? What on the planet Terra, is that a planet? Does any of this have to do with providing an auditing function on a city government that has a $100 billion budget and the highest taxes in the country, including income taxes? He says, after April 15th, Gotham, alas and alack, is hardly alone in conducting race gender checks on big business. Illinois, since last year, has required publicly traded companies based in that state to not only provide a board diversity report, but also a description of the corporation's policies and practices for promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion among its board of directors and executive officers, and whether and how demographic diversity is considered in senior hiring. A newer law in the land of Lincoln imposes further diversity reporting requirements on any private company with more than 100 employees. Maryland, in 2019, passed a gender diversity in the boardroom law requiring publicly traded companies with sales higher than $5 million uh, and nonprofits with budgets higher than $5 million to submit a gender breakdown of their boards. And just last month, a superior court judge struck down as unconstitutional a 2020 California law requiring publicly traded companies in the Golden State to have on their boards at least one member who self-identifies as, quote, black, African-American, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islander, Native American, Native Hawaiian, or Alaskan Native, or as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. The NASDAQ, meanwhile, has imposed board composition requirements of its own approved by the Security and Exchange uh, Securities and Exchange Commissions, I always get that wrong, that could get non-compliant companies delisted as soon as 2023. The Comptroller's office here in New York has been waging this and related pressure campaigns since long before Brad Lander was elected last year under the specious reasoning that savvy investors, as opposed to, I don't know, Democratic politicians, were hungry for the potentially market-moving information of whether a company's board was sufficiently female or non-white. It's a liability for next era to refuse to disclose specific board composition data, Manhattan Borough President and Pension Fund Trustee and grade-A piece of work, Mark Levine said in Thursday's press release, we have a responsibility to current and future pension recipients to minimize the fund's risk and ensure the stability of the monthly checks they rely on in retirement. To do so, we must invest in companies that shareholders have faith in and trust starts at the board level. It doesn't require too paranoid a read to conclude that the risk Levine refers to might well be coming from the government itself, rather than some kind of inherent tendency for an overly white male board to underperform the market. Governments dominated by Democrats tend to treat the private sector as both a permanent revenue stream and a vehicle for enacting social policy. They then act surprised or indignant uh, when the populations of both business and residents decline. As ever with regulation, the richest can best absorb the burden, while the poorer will shrink away. Meanwhile, this latest push by New York underlines the grim reality that even the most theoretically good government office, like Comptroller, can, in a one-party setting, become a grandstanding bully pulpit for dinging Russia, weighing in on gifted and talented programs. These are both 
recent headlines from that office. And my favorite uh, government press release headline of 2022 right there on the Comptroller's website. Ready? Comptroller Lander, Council Members Kaban and Hanif outline steps for a feminist post-pandemic recovery. Maybe uh, instead you could uh, audit the government. Goodbye.